This is Entrepreneurs Get Visible, the podcast for people who want more impact, influence, and income. I'm Anna Parker-Naples, and I'll be sharing with you proven methods from leading entrepreneurs that help you get visible as an authority in your field. Because anything's possible when you get visible. Today on Entrepreneurs Get Visible, we are talking all about the mindset you need in order to be able to scale up your business. I'm joined today by Gavin Preston from the Business Mastermind podcast, which you should hop over and have a listen to our previous episode where I was a guest on his show. It was the first time that we'd connected and we had a great conversation that really flowed. And as a result, Gavin is here on my podcast today sharing his knowledge about how you can scale up your business by changing how you think. Gavin is a strategist, investor, and focusing on business growth. And his new book, Survive or Thrive, will be out very, very soon, if not already by the time you listen to this podcast. Listen in now to hear how you can change your mindset to scale your business. Say hello, Gavin, and welcome to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. So we're talking today about the mindset you need in order to scale up your business. And tell me a little bit about how you see that panning out for you and for entrepreneurs that you work with. So firstly, Anna, thank you so much for having me here on your podcast. It's it's a great privilege. Um, I, I think the biggest difference that makes the difference in changing the trajectory of the growth of the business is the thinking of the people at the business. Often of all the businesses that I've worked with, large and small, over the last 25 years, um, businesses where they plateau, one of the things that can cause that plateauing, they grow the business to the limit of the level of their thinking. And a couple of years back, I ran a program called W Business. And when I was speaking to it into audiences, business people, I didn't really major on the mindset and impact or the mindset component of the model and the work I do. Because I thought people would be saying, oh, no, it's just some new age freak or something like that. But actually, everybody in the program loved the mindset stuff and the strategy stuff the most. And importantly, the thing that made the biggest difference in them doubling their business in a year, which most of them did, was their thinking and the mindset tools that we used. Absolutely. It's my experience with clients again and again. So for me, just today, I had a client who, she said to me, I just want to work on strategy. I just want the strategies to do this. I want to know exactly what marketing activities I need to do. I need to know how to, I need to implement this in my business, this in my business. But then when we drilled down into what she was thinking, what her current behaviors were, she had some massive blocks because she didn't think she deserved to get the end result. And if you don't understand how that works and what you're doing and what you're saying and thinking and and those subconscious behaviors, you're not going to get the scale up. You're not going to get the success and the rewards that you want. Or you may get out of the blocks well early and then unconsciously sabotage yourself on that journey. Yeah. So have you read, I'm sure you have, The Big Leap. So he talks a lot, doesn't he, about when you have kind of up-leveled, all of a sudden that's when your relationship breaks down or you get a cold and you're in bed with flu for three weeks. Because something is going on where you are at subconscious level sabotaging your result. Yeah, you know, with every level, there's another challenge. And I believe also when you're about to take on a new challenge, before every breakthrough, there's a breakdown. So what mm. I've often seen with clients in, in the work that I've been doing and taking them on a journey of growing, we've worked on the mindset, we've worked on the business strategy. They're doing really, really well in the business. They're banking the best months that they've had in the history of their business. And then all of a sudden, something happens and it feels like the wheels are falling off the wagon. And so what might that look like for someone? What might that so be? So for example, one of my clients, they manufactured picture frames. One of my clients that did the program, they manufactured picture frames. Their major distribution channel to market was Amazon. Amazon changed the algorithm around, they shifted them onto a new offering that they were doing, changed the algorithm, and it didn't go well. And they lost 90% of their sales overnight. And it took 
six or seven weeks to get them back up. So for some time prior to that, I've been saying, you need to get across these different channels. We need to be doing some small stuff on your own website. No time, not time. Got all this stuff going on with Amazon. Well, they had to do all of those things in the gap when Amazon was big sorting out the problems. Mm-hmm. And then the month after, everything came back along with Amazon because they got these new channels available and up and ready and running. They had the best month ever in the history of their business. So when you do have a breakdown or a setback, to me, that's a great opportunity to look about what can you do differently. It forces you to look anew in your business. It forces you to innovate. I think it, it's interesting you talk about that because I know my biggest growths have always been after I've had some what feel like insurmountable stumbling blocks. And I don't just mean that personally. I mean that in business as well, where you're forced to have to deal with a challenge. You can't hide any longer. It's something that is actually in your face. It's actually happening to you. And it's your decision about how you respond to that. I don't know about you, Gavin, but what I see is that the people who are able to shift their thinking the quickest are the ones who then get the best results the quickest. Yeah, two things. You get the best results quickest, but you also burn less emotional energy. Because if you're in the victim mode and you've chosen, whether consciously or not, to suffer, or you're in that place, you're burning a huge amount of emotional energy. It's incredibly draining and tiring and fatiguing, and you haven't got the energy to do to try and help yourself out of it. If early on in that process, you were able to see, and it's taken me a while to recognize and go, wow, another challenge. And, and you know, my thinking is, wow, this, this could be a breakdown before a breakthrough. So another challenge coming my way. So there's an opportunity in this. It's an opportunity for me to grow, an opportunity for me to learn. And the sooner I can get into taking charge of the situation, looking for the learning and how I can respond, the less negative energy I'm draining energy I'm going to burn. Mm, I love that concept of emotional energy. People talk so often about overwhelm and very often this is what they're talking about. They've either taken on too much or they can't cope with what they perceive as a problem. For you, to start doing this work, what was it that led to that? Did you have your own breakthroughs? Breakdowns yeah, to breakthrough. What were they? Yeah, yeah it's a number on a number of stages, actually. <laughs> to tell you a funny story, that it's a bit of a, a laugh at home now that on my first, no, second date out with my now wife, she was talking about my interests in my NLP and she's kind of got a bit of a medical background. And I was talking about how passionate I was about NLP. And she said, What happened? Did you have some kind of a breakdown? And <laughs> at the time, it was just like, Whoa, where did that come from? No, I'm not nuts. And I didn't take it so well. But actually, where it did come, from was at the early stages in 15, 16, I felt a huge amount of pressure on myself to get good results at GCSE. And my dad handed me a book by W. Clement Stone called The Success System That Never Fails. And he was a close friend in Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. And in it, in W. Clement Stone's book, The Success System That Never Fails, it's a sales book. My dad at the time worked for the UK arm of an American sales company. So it was all into the kind of motivational sales training. And there was the Napoleon Hill quote in it, what the mind can conceive and believe, the mind can achieve. This was my motto. This became my motto in life. And my dad said to me, Gavin, think about getting nine A's at GCSE and say to yourself 50 times a day, nine A's, GCSE, what the mind can conceive and believe the mind can achieve. I did that. I went, okay, dad. I didn't know any different. I did that and I got that result and it blew my mind. So since the age of 15, I've read, I've studied, got the books that I could find off a bookshelf around it. It took me down the path of Tony Robbins. They took me down the path of Paul McKenna, Richard Bandler. At the time, Michael Breen, who I became a personal apprentice of his for over a four-year period doing everything that they, McKenna, Breen and, and Bandler did over a four-year period in the UK, both business and personal NLP stuff. So I just became incredibly curious about how we could use the mindset stuff But my then thing was, I didn't want to do it just to be an NLP trainer. I wanted to use it as an operating system to bring about change in business around the people within business. 
I love that about NLP. I love the fact that most people go into it not quite knowing how it's going to fit into their life. But you were saying, no, I want to use this to make a difference to people. For me, I knew that I didn't want to train people in NLP, but that I wanted to use this to integrate somehow. And I didn't know what that looked like. But very much through that process of uncovering NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, for those of you who don't know about NLP, I expanded, grew, saw possibility and change within myself. So then that's something more that you then bring to whoever you then work with. Powerful tool. It's, so, to me, it's a tool in the toolbox. When I go into an organisation, I've had the great privilege over the last 25 years of going into thousands of organisations, whether it be from large international blue chip corporates through to startups. And I'm very quickly able to diagnose what are the levers that need to have be pulled in order to bring about change in that business, whether that be a marketing, whether it be revenue, whether you know, and, and sales, whether it be systems, operations, whether it be people, whether it be leadership, and the list goes on. And one of those tools in that tool box from all the coaching I've done over the years is NLP's behavioral change stuff. So tell us a little bit then about how you see people stuffing things up for themselves with the way that they think. What are the channels of thought that they're going down that are not helping? I think I'll allude to one of the things you said that you've experienced before is that people don't either think they're worthy of success or they're scared that if it all goes right all of the time, then their world will be so different. Will they lose friends? Will they lose their spouse or partner? Will they not have enough time away for with the children? So they're afraid of that, that success. But you know, I've had situations where I was helping another client to look for, put offers in and complete acquisitions. What if they all come off at once? I said, well, they won't. And he was stopping himself taking any action in case the three that we were looking at would all come off at once. Of course, they all wouldn't. And one came off and it turned out to be a great acquisition. But the point is you can talk yourself out of stuff. Or the other classic one is, I've never done that before, so I don't believe I've got the ability to do it. Well, okay, well, let's work it out together, logically, step by step. And what we don't know, we'll get the right advisors to help. You know, he's now done his second acquisition within two years and we'll be going on to his third. His business is transformed. His role in the business is transformed. It, often for me, it's giving permission to people that they can take these steps. And I'm a sailor, I love the sea. And I like the analogy that it's often, I'm doing slight course corrections. The light hand on the tiller, the light hand on the wheel, just being that. I'm right by your side. Or a similar analogy is, you know, you've got a container ship coming into a port. You've got a very experienced captain of the ship, but they bring on a local pilot that knows the local waters, that joins them on the bridge of the ship to help them navigate those tricky waters in a local area. So for me, when I'm going in to help a business person, it's like I'm like the pilot on the bridge of their business with them. And I'm looking at everything, you know, the other vessels, the traffic, the tidal movements, the wind... It's the same. I'm looking at their mindset. I'm looking at the market conditions. I'm looking at strategy. I'm looking at how the staff are responding. And then that's another key thing that often help with mindset is to then engage the next layers of the organization down into this is possible. So I'm a fan of the goal setting, sort of setting three levels of goals, which I'm sure you'll have heard about, about minimum target outrageous. Some people call it outstanding, but minimum target outrageous. And the problem with having set in one goal is you either hit it or you don't. And if you don't hit it, it's demotivational. So you set the minimum level, which is if you're on your current glide path with your current level of business in your pipeline, that's what you would hit. Your middle one is your target, which is your stretch. And the outrageous one is something that we never thought was possible. You know, I've got a client I'm working with at the moment. They wanted to set their outrageous target for this year for 2 million. And I said it was going to be two and a half. 
and they said it won't happen. The staff won't buy into it. They are two months into their financial year and they are tracking on the outrageous, on track on the outrageous level at two and a half million. Amazing. Um, but if they'd not allowed themselves to think that big in the first place, the leader at the top, the person making those decisions, then there's no way that you could bring the rest of the team months up ago, with they were, Nine months ago, they were annualising 1.6 million a year. But everybody now is fired up. Oh, by the way, if everybody, if there's an, there's an incentive in place, if they hit the two and a half million, everybody in the company gets a reward for it. So showing them picture and a graph about how you're performing and show, open people's eyes on to, to the po- that this is possible. Expansion. It's about expanding your mind, expanding your belief in yourself, expanding what's capable for your company. Very much expansion. I was thinking the whole time you were talking about that and analogy. It's, it's holding the space. I believe in you. I know you and the team can do it. Yep, you're going to have some bumps on the road. Come back to me and we'll work those out together. And it just gives a sense of clarity. It gives a sense of certainty and therefore confidence. I liked what you said earlier about permission as well. I see that a lot. And I think that's permission to expand. It's permission to be that slightly bigger person than you are now or that outrageously bigger person than you are now. Because if you've never been that, that's frightening. That's scary. It's the unknown. But actually, that's what you want. You want to be living. We all do. We all want to be living a bigger life, a more purposeful life, a life of more success in whatever way that means to you. I'm wondering now, as you're talking about this, how much when you're working with CEOs, particularly and leaders in their business, whatever their business looks like, how much you encounter imposter syndrome and how much you see this sabotaging results? Um, Very frequently. I would probably say 80% of the time. And that's through working with people at an exec level in a corporate uh, or a business unit management board that might be, you're still having a turnover of multi-millions of pounds through to somebody that's got a six or seven figure business. It's always the same. And the, the challenge really is when they've got accustomed to operating at a particular level for a period of time. They like the idea of scaling, but it's that shift in their thinking that's required and they don't believe they're good enough to be able to do it. And does it surprise you sometimes, the people who are experiencing those thoughts? Yes. It surprises me. I wouldn't have thought it was that individual. I thought they'd got it sorted. But then on the other hand, it happens so frequently, I realise that all of us at some stage in our journey get to that space. I agree. And unfortunately, it's one of those things. Well, of course, it's one of those things that we hide, that we shy away from. We don't want everyone to know on the outside what we're thinking on the inside. So it's the first thing that we hide. But what kind of other activities do you see people doing or not doing as a result of that fear of expansion? Filling the time with stuff that's not really going to move the dial in their business. Yeah. So they'll get into the thicker thin things. They won't delegate. They stay way too operational and they don't take the time out to work on the strategy and the bigger picture of their business. Mm-hmm. And they also don't take the time to get out of their business and build the relationships, the strategic relationships with people that really could help them take the business to a whole new level. See, I see this a lot in terms of people's sense of deserving, like we touched on at the beginning of this interview, deciding that you're not actually good enough on some level. So you don't reach out for collaborations. You don't reach out to network. You don't reach out to speak to someone influential within your industry because you think you're not there yet or that you don't deserve or that you're going to be rejected in some way. And actually, I think we all know that the better your collaborations, the better your connections, the better your network, the more your business is going to grow. And I love one of the things that you'd said to me in a previous conversation that we've had, Anna, is about when you you put yourself on a plane and you went out to the US, you said you were walking into that event because you belonged there. And that, 
really struck home with me that phrase that you know you you'd done the inner work, you'd done the mindset work that you weren't new to that environment. It was just somewhere where you belonged. And mm-hmm. I think if other people in their business are thinking about, wouldn't it be great if I could get a partnership with this great big company? And if they just think, well, we're good enough, the products or service is good enough, we belong. Love that. I'm just going to take my listeners back. So what Gavin is relating to there is an interview that I did with him, which was the first time we met on his podcast, which is the Business Mastermind podcast. And we had a really great conversation, which is why Gavin is here with us today, because we just sometimes conversations just flow. And I think that they make the best podcast episodes. And we talked about all sorts of things. What I was talking about with that event that I was discussing how I used to have this real fear that I wasn't good enough. And when I did lots of this NLP work, particularly when I finished my master NLP and various breakthroughs and timeline therapy and lots of techniques about how I felt about myself, it coincided with me really throwing myself into the voiceover industry. I used to be very high profile in audio. But before I got there, the pivotal moment for me was deciding I was going to go to an awards evening that was full of all of the leading bigwigs within that industry when I'd only just started. And I flew out to New York. I knew nobody at the event. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to belong here because I'm passionate about my industry. I know this is where I want to be. I know that I'm good enough. I'm just not experienced enough. And I chose to belong. And as I was saying to Gavin in that interview, it wasn't true that it was easy for me to be in that room. It wasn't true that it was easy to make those initial connections. And I did make sure I had a vodka before I went in and all of those (laughs) things. But I I decided that in the the communication that I had with people, that I was ready to up-level, that I was ready to belong, and that that was going to be the thought that that drove me to spur on my connections. And and as I said to Gavin in that, when I left that, by 9am the next morning, I mean, we must have left that event, I don't know, 11 or 12 o'clock at night. By nine o'clock the next morning, I'd got a $30,000 deal land in my bank account and the contracts were done later that day. So that's because I chose to belong. And also, if you think back to NLP, there's the Robert Diltz model around neurological levels. And at the top of the model there is about identity. And you saw yourself as the kind of person, your identity was the kind of person who were part of that of that group. If we can make change at a level of identity, it flows back down the values and beliefs and the skills and et cetera. And to me, that's the subtle power about creating that. You didn't walk in going, I, 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 I can do this, I can do this. With the self-talk, you walked in and went, I belong here. This is who I am. And that is just so much more powerful. Yeah, it was more a question of deciding, I just don't know these people yet, but I belong. And it's that decision that I guess I wasn't prepared to settle with where I was anymore, that the only person responsible for up-leveling was me. And I, I think when you start to take responsibility as a person, as a business owner for creating those levels of success that you want, puts you back in the driving seat. I'm using all the analogies today, puts you back in the in the driving seat or maybe for the first time in the driving seat in order to take those next levels up. Yeah, and so if any of you wanting to scale your business, then you need to be able to believe that, let's say the next level is a new geographical location, maybe across international boundaries, that you're the kind of person that does that. That's your identity. You belong operating or running a business like that. Or if your next stage of growth is buying businesses to scale quicker, that you belong in that space and having conversations in which you will be mm. buying businesses. Mm. So... Gavin, this is Entrepreneurs Get Visible. So we talk a lot about how other people can build their business, scale their business. What do you think in terms of visibility are the three most important things that people could be doing? 
For me, it's demonstration. It always has been for demonstration. What I mean by that is anytime I can get on my feet and speak, anytime I can get and, and do a podcast, I can get on stage, et cetera, it really helped. I found the sort of partnerships or joint venture model with organizations who have as their customers, the kind of people I would like as my customers, has always been very, very effective. So I've had a long-standing strategic relationship with HSBC, which has provided that events on, filled the room with of their customers, and then I speak to those. And you know, in 2020, I did that for two and a bit years in 2014 and 15, and then that'll be starting again in 2020. So that has provided fantastic profile for me and visibility for me in front of business owners who might not normally be engaging with and watching online videos or talking to business coaches or, or business mm. mentors. Yeah, getting in the room with people is really powerful. It is. And then having the opportunity to demonstrate my capability rather than saying, hey, by me, it's just like, how can I help? So I've always wanted to lead with value and to help them deal with the challenge that they're facing in their own business. Um, I love the podcasting medium, as you do. And I found that's been very good for visibility also. Well, podcasting, as you know, is brilliant for visibility. And if any of you listening don't yet know, I now am launching the podcast membership, which will be live by the time you listen to this episode. In fact, I think this is going out in launch week. So if you don't know about the podcast membership, find me, find my page, find my website and join before the doors close. But on that note, Gavin, I'm going to say thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for coming and sharing your wisdom with Entrepreneurs Get Visible. If any of you want to know more about Gavin, all of the links and for his new book, as soon as we have, Gavin, just tell us a little bit about your new book. And I will tell my, my listeners that as soon as we have the URL available, we're going to be sticking it under this episode, whether that is just before this episode goes out or if it's a month or so after it first goes out, that URL will be there. Tell us about your latest book, Gavin. Okay. It's about surviving thrive. It's about how to uh, scale and succeed in business. Not everybody is in a place of thriving in their business. So the front section is, it's all about, it's getting your business and you're ready for growth. And I use the analogy, if you're about to go out to sea and you're going to go on a voyage to where you want to go to, your vessel has to be ship-shaped. So it's about what are the things you can do to make your business, your vessel, seaworthy, ready for that journey of growth. And if you're in survival mode, this is what you need to do to address that. So I've done a lot of work with organizations to help them turn around and and save those. So I know what to do around that. And then the second part is Thrive. And it's based around my business growth model called the Strategy Compass. And it's six steps that I use and have repeatedly used to double people's businesses and more in a short period of time. So I take people through the six steps of the Strategy Compass model. So the book will be launched. It's penned for late February. So I'm really excited about that. Great. Well, find the URL in the link. And I just want to finish with, as you talked more and more today about various sailing analogies, I just want to say to people, you have a choice whether you are out there in a dinghy that's got a hole in it or whether you are in a luxury yacht. I know which one I want to be in. So these things are down to you and the way you think about yourself. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. To get your free checklist on how to raise your profile and to find out about our community, go to annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash get visible.